This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We all know podcasts are only as good as the guests that are on them, which means today's show is going to be absolutely epic. We'd love to announce and welcome Partha Unava to the show today. At first thought, many of you might think that sports and business have nothing to do with each other. But for Partha, they're a dream team made in entrepreneurial heaven. After an accident on the basketball court left Partha with a bummer of a broken ankle, he had the game-changing idea to create crutches that weren't absolutely torturous on your armpits. And off he ran with it, broken ankle and all. Since then, Partha has continued to score multiple wins, starting with the founding of his company Lasso, which aims to create sports medicine solutions so you can move with confidence. Partha has been named on the 2015 Forbes 30 Under 30 list, featured on CNN, and was even invited to the White House to present to President Obama when he was in office. He's come a long way since the accident that started it all, upping the score to Partha 1, broken ankle 0. If you're not yet inspired, you will be soon. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking to Partha about everything from how to gain courage to why it's so important to make mistakes. So lace up your sneakers, stretch out your legs, and let's get chatting to the king of the entrepreneurial game himself, Partha. Take a listen. Partha, welcome to the Pierce Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course. So, you know, you and I connected over LinkedIn when I saw your feature in the Forbes 30 Under 30 and all the work, awesome work you're doing at Lasso. And I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I'm really excited for today's conversation. Yeah, I'm really excited too. Thanks for having me. Awesome. No stress. So great. So before we dive into your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, so I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, um, in the Midwest in the U.S., which was uh, pretty conservative, pretty down to earth. Um, I think for me, it was big. So I live in Atlanta and Los Angeles right now. Um, It was big just to have the grounding in Midwestern values that really let me stay true to who I am. Yeah, I love that. Okay, very cool. So did you grow up with siblings? Did you kind of grow up as a solo child? Like, What was your childhood like? 
Yeah, so I have a younger sister. She's two and a half years younger than me. Um, so, I mean, we grew up together. We hung out a lot and all of that. Um, but for me, I mean, it's just uh, pretty traditional, I would say, in terms of a childhood, in terms of going to school, like participating in extracurriculars, hanging out with friends, uh, honestly, like as standard as you can get. We love standard. Um, and then clearly you went on to not have a very standard uh, life, which is why we're all here today, which is exciting. So cool. Okay. So you made the, the move to Atlanta. So what I saw on your LinkedIn actually was that you moved, was it because of university to attend George, Georgia Institute of Tech? Yeah. Is that yes. right? So I went to Georgia Tech and yep. um, I studied biomedical engineering there. They're actually the top program for that. So that's why I attended. Very cool. What made you choose? I always find it fascinating when we when we talk about, you know, the studies and what, what led you to kind of choose what you wanted to study. What led you, yeah, why did you want to study bio, bio um, med tech engineering? Yeah, so for me, it was um, like a fascination for the human body. So I really like learning how the body moves and then uh, finding ways to really improve what's out there from a medical device standpoint. So from an early age, I was always interested in things like prosthetics, things like artificial limbs, um, just ways that the body can be affected, improved, et cetera. Um, that's really where I found my passion. Mm, I love that. And where did that come from for you? Was it just, it literally just came up when you were a child or did your parents have any, like, were they in the industry or? For me, I, I th- it's interesting. I think, um, so I wasn't the most athletic kid growing up. But once, especially when I got into college, I got really to work out, really different things like running, jumping, learning, form, learning um, how to really get my body to perform at the level I wanted it to. And that came very, very natural to me, just doing all of the research, working with my body, learning how the science works and how the muscle structures work to be able to achieve the goals that I had. Um, so that just kind of came out very naturally. Mm. I love that. It, it's, it's so interesting when I you know, when I talk to your entrepreneurs around, you know, how did this passion come about? Because obviously usually does stem from a passion and then that leads you to kind of either pursue studies in the area or build your businesses or whatever it is. Um, Okay, very cool. So talk to me about that uni experience, that college experience, you know, what was that like for you? Um, For me, I mean, I, I didn't really go to college for a degree. Um, I didn't care about degrees at all, but I really went, I'm a very competitive person. I really went because I wanted to win. So <laughs> the whole focus for me was get a 4.0, like get all A's, really, really be one of the best students at this top university. And I was able to achieve that for, um, I mean, I was there for three years, but when, when I started to get that itch to really start a company and do something, uh, for me, it was a no-brainer to drop out because I didn't, I didn't, I still don't care about college degrees. It's not even something we look at when we hire people. Um, it's just was what I wanted to do next. Once I really found myself and figured figured out a few of my passions. Mm. So I find it, I find that your drive, it, it's so evident. You know, the fact that you were like, I didn't really even care about college. It was just the fact that I wanted to be the best. I wanted to excel and all of that. Where does that come from for you? Um, I think for me, it's just that I always grew up with a passion for sports. Um, I didn't play a lot growing up because, again, I wasn't the most athletic kid. Um, where I did excel was I was in the marching band. I was in the jazz band. I played a lot of instruments growing up. And I was I always worked to be like the best in that instrument. And that was really 
when I was playing instruments for the first time, I was able to see that just practice put in actually led to results. It's always something people say, but as a kid, I feel like you have to prove it to yourself that that actually works. Mm. Once I saw that, um, it just, it was kind of obvious for me that I could be the best at anything I wanted to do as long as, as I was willing to put in the work and nobody else was really putting in the work. So it seemed kind of like a no brainer to me that I could excel in whatever I wanted to. Mm. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think that hard work and when you realize the value of it, you know, it can, it can take you places and it, it, it can really make you stand out. Um, talk to me a little bit of, a little bit about that diligence and persistence because, yes, you know, we always say hard work, hard work, hard work, but it's all well and good to say it and then it's another thing to put it in practice and actually do it consistently all the time. So, you know, how did you gain that level of, I guess, consistency and persistence throughout this entire process? So I think for me it was, um, I think, more really about building a process and a lifestyle than really about chasing a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the, the the way that I put in my work every day, I mean, I really treat my life like I'm a professional athlete. So like an athlete would wake up, do whatever they need to do to keep their bodies healthy from an eating standpoint, go work out, go study film, et cetera, like go through that process every single day. And it doesn't really change. And that's kind of how mine's set up where wake up, um, I journal, my girlfriend and I journal every morning together and then uh, go about our days and um, get to the office or wherever I'm working from, really just knock out my task, work on my planning. It's the same routine every single day, evening, do some sort of workout or yoga or something, and then wind down and go to bed. And that routine doesn't change no matter what day it is, because that's just what I want to do with my life. So it's not hard to maintain it. It's not hard to be persistent because I'm just happier in that state. Mm. How do you find that flow state? Um, that's, that's a good question. For me, it, it leans a lot on just really feeling it out. So I meditate a lot. I try to stay really present. Um, I do a lot of things to really make sure that I'm clear emotionally and that clarity of thought and feeling allows me to make the decisions that are right for me on a certain day. So, um, I think that's a big part of it. I think the other part is I never do anything because of obligation. Um, so every now and then maybe, but uh, even like going to events, like networking type stuff or going to, if somebody invites me to dinner and I don't want to go, I'm not going to go. I don't care how much money they have. I don't care if they want to invest in my company. If I don't want to go to dinner with them, I'm not going to dinner with them. And being strong about those types of things has been really, really good for keeping me in a very good place mentally. Mm. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so important to just kind of stay grounded and to know, you know, when you want to do things and when you don't. And I find it fascinating that that's how almost what you live by. You're like, if I don't want to, I won't. So talk to us a little bit about the times where you have to, you know, the times where got this obligation and you're just going to make it happen. Like, how do you get in the mindset to go, okay, we're going to do this. I'm going to do the best at this as I can. I feel like the only time that that really happens is family because it's with family, you can't say no to things sometimes. Um, Even then I will say no to a lot of things, but sometimes you just can't do it. And it's just finding the positives in the situation, trying to have a good time no matter what. But um, when it comes to work, I mean, I will, if I go to an event and I don't have a good time there, uh, 
and I was invited by somebody that I really trust, mm-hmm. and I, they will hear about it from me as to why I didn't have a good time. And I will not go to another one of their events. And like, I've gotten myself into trouble because there was one event I went to recently where I had a terrible time and the people who invited me weren't even there. And I went on social media rants about it and it, it didn't really help help their business at all. Um, So I felt bad about it for Mm -hmm. sure. But um, yeah, I've learned just over time where to where to make my pick my spots in terms of where I show up and where I spend my energy I find it so funny and I just find it fascinating I think it's I think it's awesome but I also think that I guess people listening into this you know our peers out there listening they might be thinking well but you know like work for me is an obligation like I've got to make money I've got to live I've got to do what I've got to do and like that's just that's just how life works doesn't it you know they're the questions that I can just see running through people's heads right now and I just want to talk a bit about that idea that work of work not being an obligation and and how do you find that sweet spot when it comes to it so talk to us a little bit about you know I, I read that you you knew in college that you know, the typical nine to five wouldn't work for you. Like, how did you realize that? And then how did you shape your life so that that wasn't the case? Yeah. Um, for me, it was about potential. So I, I did some internships. I tried a few things and, um, I just, I felt like I was wasting my time. I felt like I couldn't make any sort of impact. And, uh, for me, like, I don't really believe in the concept of work. I don't really believe in jobs. I don't really believe in money even, um, I think it's really all made up and it's just things that help our society function. Um, for me, it's just, what do I want to do every day that's positive for the world? What do I want to be remembered for with my life? And how can I do that in the biggest way possible? So that's what makes it easy to not do stuff I don't I don't want to do because it doesn't add to what I'm trying to do. It's not positive impact. It's just, if it's like an obligation, like, oh, like, well, if you cozy up to this community, like they'll like you, I don't need to be liked. I don't care to be liked. Like you can like what I do. You don't have to like me, but if we're doing something positive, be a part of that because it's good for everybody. I so appreciate. And I think that this almost needs to be said a lot more. You know, I think that so many of us just go, well, we have to go do this. We need to go study these degrees. We need to go work at that corporate firm because it will make our parents proud, whatever it is. And I mean, that essentially that's what happened with me was you get to a point and you think I'm just doing this for everyone else and this is not what I want. And then you have to recenter. I mean, how can we recenter and refocus on what we actually want to do? I think you just hit the needle, the nail on the head. Um, you said it, it's when we do stuff for other people. And a lot of the time you don't even realize it, but it's like, oh, am I doing this because I want to make my parents proud? Like, that's great, but does it make me happy? And if it doesn't, then why am I doing it? You know, like they'll live with the fact that you're not exactly what they wanted you to be. It doesn't matter, right? And it's like a lot of people put themselves in situations where they spend their whole lives trying to make other people happy or trying to be a version of themselves for somebody else. And it, that will take a toll on you. And I think... um I was lucky because I just ended up in a situation where I was able to um, turn my like rebellion phase, I would say, where I started to find myself into something that um, sustained my lifestyle and gave me enough money to function. 
until I could get it to be successful financially. So it's like through being able, being charismatic enough to fundraise and being able to communicate my ideas in a clear way, um, being able to network well enough to raise money, um, that helped me get things rolling where, okay, at least I can pay my bills. We might not be making money yet. And then over time we started making money and it turned into a successful thing. And um, I was able to go even further down that rabbit hole of being myself. But um, mm. I think there's definitely like a, a good bit of just opportunity and like circumstance that led to me being able to be as exaggerated as I am at, mm. at my age compared to most other people. So I, I think I was fortunate in that. Mm. I think it's so funny. Fortunate, yes, but then also very persistent and I think the fact that you made the leap and you were like I'm just gonna quit uni and I'm just college and I'm just gonna go into it you know I think how do we gain that courage to just go you know what this is what I want and I'm just gonna do it you know that's so interesting um two things first I think quitting um for I had to not have a degree because if I had any sort of way out of my situation when it got really hard I would have taken it if I had a degree, I could have gotten a job when in the moments when like things were really, really tough. Um, but at the same time, like courage is really just based on perspective. Like it's scary to walk a tight rope at the top of like a hundred story building. Right. But that same tight rope is not scary. Six inches off the ground. What changed? Right. How are you looking at the situation? So I think, Courage is, is really subjective based on where you're looking at it from. It's, it's such a good point. It is. And I think that from your point of view, it was clearly just this is this is the way I'm going to take. This is where I'm going to go. And as you said, it helped you later on when the challenges started creeping up and things got really tough. So I want to dive a little bit into those challenges of building Lasso. And, you know, you, you quit uni. There was no going back. You know, what were some of those early challenges? Yeah, so the first product we started with was a crutch that didn't hurt your armpits. So we were making medical devices in the rehab space, selling to hospitals. And um, the first, like, four years was getting that product to market. And that came with its own ups and downs. Co-founders leaving, running out of money, um, being on a long, long path. And, like, that's really where I felt me not being myself, like having to wear suits, showing up to events I didn't want to be at, going to conferences. It was not my speed. And I felt that I had to be that person to succeed in the industry. Um, fast forward, we got to this place where um, we were succeeding on e-commerce, but not in the hospital market. And we couldn't go bigger in e-commerce selling rehab products just because it's just such a small niche. Um, so we had developed the concept of Lasso I saw that it, it had real billion dollar potential and I was like, okay, this is the future for sure of what we're doing. So the biggest hard, hard time that we had was switching from being a rehab medical company to doing Lasso, which is a medical product, but really marketed and advertised a completely different way. Mm -hmm. um, making that switch where I'm five and a half years in, six years in, and I had to completely go broke again to make this thing happen. My, I had to cut almost all of my team and the two guys who stayed on took significant salary cuts. And just to be able to do a complete spin repivot and then launch again, 
of a five-year-old company was extremely tough um, from a psyche standpoint. But at that point in my life, this was just, this is actually just a year. Yeah, this is just a year ago. Um, so wow. just to, I knew there was light at the end of the tunnel. And of course we hit it because um, we, we've been on a very, very amazing rocket ship of growth. Um, but during that period of time, it was, it was just kind of one of those situations where it's like a perspective thing where, yeah, it could be stressful that I'm going through any money I've saved and I'm going to get back into broke back to some debt, have to rebuild that. But at the end of the day, is that even real? Like, does it matter if I have debt on my name or not? Does it matter how long it takes to pay that off if I have good people around me, I love my friends, I love my team, and I'm am I a happy person? And at the end of the day, that stuck. So it was easy it's easy to find that the, the wow. tightrope we were walking got a lot lower. It's it's crazy when you hear the story like that. You know, you can't when you read about it, it's like in Forbes and all this awesome stuff and, and it is phenomenal what you've built, like, you know, NBA players wearing your socks, like insane. But it's just it's just like when you hear about that transition and that progression, you really gain perspective, I guess, as a listener and as a viewer and as someone who is looking up to someone like yourself and and thinking, how did he do this, you know? And I think it's, and that's why I love asking these questions. I think it's so important for us to just break it all down and to get really real. So talk to us a little bit about how you mentally, like you're clearly in a very awesome mental state, which I think is is so necessary for any entrepreneur trying trying to do anything, but it's not often the case when you're in a really, when you're backed up against the wall in a really difficult situation, like you were a year ago, how do you get yourself in the right mindset to even tackle that and deal with that and then progress from there? Um, I think it's just like, I, I tie everything to sports and nowadays I get to hang out with a lot of athletes. So the mindset gets reinforced a lot. Um, but it's just when you're down, when when the score isn't in your favor, whatever the circumstances are, you still know you're going to win no matter what. You just know it. Wow. How do you gain that certainty of knowing? I think you have to fake it for a while. <laughs> you just fight through the doubt and then you get to the other side and then it just becomes a part of you. But you just have to you just have to take all the doubt and just put it somewhere else and say, I'll deal with you later. And then it gets to a point where you forget about it all. Mm, love that. Awesome. Wow. Okay. So when, talk to us a bit about when you knew things were starting to move. You say you spend a lot of time with athletes now, like that's phenomenal. Where did you finally feel like, like when was it that you finally felt like, wow, everything we've been working for for the last five years, even after the shift, like it's actually all coming together. So, I mean, it's kind of been over the last year. So last, last May, June, last June, I'd say we closed the funding round that, um, brought in Champ Bailey, who was our head of athlete, who's our current head of athlete relations. He's an NFL hall of famer, amazing guy, amazing to work with. And for him to believe in us so much and believe in the product to the point where he wanted to put in his own time and work for the company, um, that was incredibly humbling. And it really gave us a whole new level of trust because he's so respected. He never, through his whole career, um, 
never asked favors of anybody still doesn't never endorsed anything that like he didn't seriously believe in. Um, he's, he's a very, very down to earth, humble person. So getting him involved was a huge win um, for us and just a humbling thing for me to be able to work with a legend like that. Um, from there, it was just kind of a rocket ship of growth. So revenue really took off quickly. We started to do really well um, on e-commerce. I mean, within six months, we had crossed our million dollar mark from zero, which was really rapid. And right. it continues to grow at a faster pace every month, which is crazy. So like for us, um, that's a big blessing. And then on the branding side, um, there was a big moment at the Super Bowl, which was actually in Atlanta this year. Um, we had, I mean, every agent, every athlete was here and I, every event I was going to every party I was going to, it was the first time in my life that when I was introduced to somebody, um, and say, what do you do? I didn't have to explain it. All I had to say was, hey, you know, so they'd say, yeah, it's like, well, that's my company and immediate just recognition, respect, excitement that in the pro athlete space was something that was really, really humbling for me. Insane. I just keep, no one can see me um, in this interview because obviously it's a podcast, but I am literally shaking my head. My mouth is like to the ground, like it's ridiculous. I just, I love hearing this part of the story because it's just so exciting. Firstly, congrats, absolutely huge. I think after that, uh, the second thing I say is how did you think that big. You know, so many of us want to start businesses or we have ideas and then we think, oh, but you know, maybe if I just get a client from down the road, then that would be exciting. But how did you think as big as I want like professional athletes to know? I don't even know if you thought this, but maybe you thought I want them to know the brand. I want them to wear the brand. You know, how did you think so big and what advice would you give around that? Well, even when I started the intent was to maximize like what I would do as a person with my life. So I didn't feel that I would hit that in corporate or doing research or anything like that. Um, so building a company was the first step toward that vision. And then on the medical rehab side of things, um, the biggest thing that I wanted to do was to innovate products that weren't being touched, but more than anything to do it in a way that we set an example for others to inspire others to also make products better because um, especially here in the States, we don't really make our healthcare better. And just the concept of healthcare hospitals, it just feels so bad. Like the stigma is so strong in a negative way with the healthcare system. Um, I thought we could do better. And uh, when we moved the lasso, it was just the next step of growth of that vision. And it, it was more clarity where it was like, well, rather than be in the system, we can go straight to the customer, straight to the patient. We can deliver them what healthcare should feel like. So not only were we able to create a new category of products, innovate a sector that hasn't been touched, but we can also change the way healthcare feels to a patient where it feels as good as a Nike product. And that is really where I think we're going to make our impact. So it was just steps of growth along the vision, but it started with this inkling like, hey, we want to make healthcare better. And it was related to all of these products are just not being touched and just understanding why the innovation wasn't happening. And once we made the innovation, it was understanding why the innovation didn't get to consumers, 
Then we mm. learned that, changed the business model. Now we have the innovation. Now we can get it to consumers. Now we understand branding and we're able to do that piece of it. So it just scale it. Mm. I love it. It's it's so empowering. I love it. <laughs> um, something I want to touch on before we start to wrap up and whatnot is uh, you recently wrote an article on LinkedIn about, um, I think you called it, hang on, I'll get this. We're not a business, we're a sports team. And you've been touching on this throughout today's interview and, and today's episode. But I want to talk a bit more about that because I found that article super interesting and, and you know, that piece on leadership and how you lead a team with that sports mentality, super interesting. I mean, you called yourself a coach, which makes a lot of sense. So I, can you talk to us a little bit about that and where that kind of methodology comes from for you? Yeah, I think part of it is just passion for sports. I watch a ton of basketball. And, I mean, I've, I played it all the way through college and then afterward. Um, but I think there's a lot to be learned from how great teams and systems are built. Uh, if you look in any sport, there's going to be one or two teams that's just winning all of the time. And it doesn't matter what sport, what league, there's always that team. And it's intrigued me as what that team does. It's different. And it's two things. One is they have concrete philosophies and values that they stick to no matter what. And the two is they have systems that they build and stick to. Um, so for me, when, when it comes to leadership within the organization, it's understanding that every single person I bring in, number one, we have to have a very clear, concrete system that we run. So somebody can come in, understand how we work and fit into that. And we, being a fast growing company, we're constantly building new systems to be able to accommodate new stages of growth. So there's always iteration. Um, the other piece of it is, uh, I think sports is a good analogy um, for this, but it's accepting failures and mistakes. So I think in corporate and in a lot of companies, people are not okay with screwing up. But if you're gonna watch a basketball game or a baseball game, Think about how many missed shots there are to made shots. Mo there's more missed shots than made shots in any game, right? So it's as, as the person shooting, first of all, you can only remember your makes. You just ignore your misses. But number two, if you don't allow people to make mistakes, they can't grow and get better and they can't understand what they're good at and find their role within the team. And you can't put them in a position to succeed either without seeing what they do well at and what they do bad at. So if I was if I was running a basketball team, I have a player that's great at making three-pointers and terrible at rebounding. I wouldn't know that until I saw them fail at rebounding as much as I saw them succeed at three-point shooting. You have to you have to see the failure as well as the success to put somebody in a position to succeed. So that's been a big part of our philosophy internally. Um, even we were talking about it actually today with, with uh, managing contractors, managing different employees. It's just um, how do you create and be patient enough as a leader to be able to allow someone to make mistakes. And the big thing is you can't care that it's going to slow down progress. You have to accept it because in the short term, it's going to slow things down for sure. But in the long term, that person is going to grow. And when they grow, they're going to be able to contribute more. And the whole system as a whole gets better in the long term. But you just have to accept the short term loss that you're going to have. Mm -hmm so powerful and I just so resonate with everything you said it's so funny because I mean as a leader any leader whether you're leading a company a team at work a team in sport whatever it is it's 
it's around that how do I get the team motivated? How do I get the team to perform at their best and at their optimum? And it's so far. I love that when you were saying like, you know, you have to let them fail as much as you can let, you know, let them succeed. You can't step in um, and you just have to, it just has to be the case in order for the, for, for the ultimate, for, in order for the team to ultimately succeed, which I absolutely love. Awesome. Well, look, I am Martha. I am so excited for everyone to listen to today's episode. There were so many gems of wisdoms, uh, wisdom that you pulled out, and I just want to take a moment as we close up and before I ask you the final question to just acknowledge you, Partha, for the awesome work you've done and that you're doing. I mean, people like yourself, you really are an example for our generation to, to step up, to do what we actually want to do and just to make take that leap and make that move. And for that, we're, we're very grateful and we really appreciate you. I really appreciate those kind of words. Credit really does go to my team, though. I'm, I'm just in a fortunate situation in life, but I'm lucky to have amazing people that are leading the charge. Mm. Love it. Awesome. So the final question is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project, and that is what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Um, I think it's just it's just that, you know, that game where you have like the four little marbles and you're moving the thing around and you're trying yeah. to get them all into the little holes. You know what I'm talking about? A little metal. You know that feeling when they all fall in? You get it right? It's that feeling. I love it. Such good analogy. I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Partha. It's been absolutely awesome. I'm once again, I'm I'm so appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people learn more about you and Lasso? So you, you can check out Lasso at Lasso Gear um, on all social media and lassogear.com. And then me is at Partha Unova. Uh, my last name is a little hard spell, but if you type Partha, you'll find it. Awesome. Well, we'll link them up in the show notes. Once again, really appreciate it. This has been awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.